It's Football Friday. Your chance to put the press on Presson. Double E Football Team President and CEO Chris Presson joins Chelsea and Shea for your questions. Brought to you by Touchback Safety. First in industry, first in class. Yes, indeed, it is Football Fridays here on 6.30, Chad, and we are very happy that Edmonton Eskimos President and CEO Chris Preston has taken a little time out of his busy schedule to join us this morning. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Shay. Good to talk to you again. Thanks so much for uh, joining us. Yeah, Chris, thanks for doing this. And uh, a welcome, I guess, is in store. Uh, we heard that you and the family officially moved to Edmonton about three months ago, so welcome to, to being officially yeah. Edmontonians. Well, thank you. Yeah, we've enjoyed it thus far and certainly uh, love the weather and uh, understand uh, it's going to get cold this weekend, but have been pleasantly surprised the three months uh, we've been here around what it's been so far. Now, I know you've been in town uh, for the most part for a while now. Um, does your family have any experience with what's about to happen to them in terms of the weather? <laughs> That's a great question. And the answer would be uh, no. I've left oh the details uh, to the side <laughs> so as to not scare them. Hey, Chris, uh, you were in town uh, when, when uh, Scott Milanovic was introduced as the new head coach back in, I think that was in mid to late January, when we had that vicious, vicious cold snap <laughs> last year. What did you tell the family about those days? You know what? I told them that there was only one week of that. So uh, clearly uh, I left the details to the side again. But yeah, that was a brutal week. And I don't know that that was the minus 40 week, but if it wasn't, it was fairly close. And I have mentioned that to them, but I told them that I explained more of the beauty of the snow than I did uh, the temperature. Perfect. I, I know when uh, you ha- you had to go back to the U.S. Uh, to quarantine and, and be with your family at the early stages of, uh, of the pandemic, uh, you told me in March, and I, I want you to tell the story again, uh, you had a once-in-a-lifetime, not even, probably less than once-in-a-lifetime experience on your flight back to Arizona last year. Yeah, it was crazy. Uh, I went to the airport here and uh, had a connection in Calgary onto uh, Mesa and only maybe four or five people on my flight from here to Calgary. No big deal. I didn't think much of it. Very early morning flight. Got to Calgary. They they did the typical, uh, started making the announcements, you know, gold members, medallion members, active military, et cetera. Nobody got on the plane. The, finally, the lady at the counter set the microphone down and she looked at me and she goes, would you get up here? You're the only one on the plane. So I was the only one on a plane from Calgary to Mesa, 737, literally the only human being other than the pilots and uh, the stewardess on the plane. It was was an unbelievable experience for sure. That would be wild. That's surreal. Did you ask for extra snacks? Did you take advantage? (laughs) You know what? I had three or four people congregated around me all the time, and I finally told them that I'm a low-maintenance person, and I, I really don't need anything, and simply asked them if I could go to the back of the plane and take pictures, and then I took pictures with them as well. Uh, before I got off the plane just to kind of commemorate the experience. But yeah, once in a lifetime opportunity for sure. Wow, no kidding. Well, Chris, the whole point of this segment is to let our listeners have a chance to ask you whatever's on their mind. So let's jump into some of the questions we've received from our chat audience. Uh, Shirley and Lana both sent us a question saying, how will the EE Football Club be honoring Joey Moss? We have talked uh, in our last three planning sessions about that very thing. Um, You know, as I think all of you know, we currently have Joey's name in commemoration at the Center of Commonwealth Stadium as we speak, and that will remain. Uh, We've talked about a number of things, and uh, I think we have some great community initiatives, kind of all encompassing broad-based initiatives around Joey uh, that we'll unveil uh, pretty soon. 
Um, a couple of them I can't talk about because I'm waiting for approval, but uh, certainly we will do the right thing around Joey and make sure that his legacy lives on and, uh, and we continue to show the grace through his name that he showed us all the, all the years he was involved with bus, both us and the Oilers. Awesome. Yeah, that, uh, that logo at center field is pretty classy. It looks it great is, as yeah. well. Uh, question from Joe here uh, who says, I have uh, almost a six-year-old daughter. Uh, I've been trying to get her interested in football and the team for a long time. Uh, can you uh, elaborate on what the team is planning to do to attract younger fans like my daughter to the team and the sport so they hopefully become lifelong uh, fans of the team? Is there anything the team plans on doing for kids outside of game day activities as well? Yeah, and I think that, uh, unfortunately, I'll talk in generalities only because I, I don't want to box myself in uh, when, and when we're planning for what is truly the unknown. But I can tell you this, we have been planning as a leadership team since the 10th of September, and a lot of our focus has been around this. And certainly we have a recreation center next to us that is typically closed during our games. We're talking about the use of that, how we can get in, uh, kids involved. We're talking about shifting some of the areas within the venue, uh, specifically to make room for a more kids interactive zone. Uh, we certainly want to have more experiences than we do cost per ticket. We're talking about some value-based programs around ticketing and, and possibly concessions as well. And then extending the kids up front and maybe spreading it across the entire season as opposed to just one game. So th those are just some of the examples, again, in general terms that we've spoken about. We understand that our fan base is aging and that the, the development of that group of kids is key, and, and we're focused on that. Okay, Chris, another question, this one from Darcy. says, do you think that an all-star East-West game to kick off the season might help generate some much-needed excitement and interest, if not at the beginning of the season, maybe at the end? Keeping in mind the weather then might become a problem. Yeah, it's a good question, and I like the concept. I think the challenges would be this. Um, I think we would have a hard time getting the Players Association to buy in, and let's just say they did. I, I could tell you that you would have a hard time getting teams to buy into that just because of the risk of injury to key players. Clearly, if uh, if it's an all-star game, it would be your top, let's just say, seven or eight players at, at a minimum per team. And uh, we certainly, with our players, wouldn't really want to take a risk of a top 10 player getting hurt in an all-star game. I think the other challenge around that as well is who would host the game, knowing that we all want to see the players that play for our team. I don't know how interested fans in general would be around seeing a bunch of players from another team. And therefore, how, how well would it do? And I think we're in such a time in life where our risk has to be limited as much as possible. I think those are the challenges around that. But I do like the concept. Uh, Chris, a topic that was a big discussion in our city, of course. This listener wants to know, uh, it's been pretty quiet about the plans for a new team name. Can you tell me when we will have a new team name? We are targeting uh, the latter two weeks in March. Uh, again, I understand how, how everyone feels. Just rest assured, we have been planning for this and talking about this for several months now. Uh, it is the number one focal point of our business right now, aside from the budgeting process, which we're also in the midst of. And uh, we will be announcing what that process is and engaging fans very soon. And from that point on, we'll get through the holiday season, and then we'll fire it back up. And again, we're looking to have an announcement uh, the last two weeks in March. And I imagine you're going to do a, a, a big blow-up of this because this is obviously a, a big announcement and a, and a big deal, and you only get one crack to do this, right? That's right. And we, so we'll engage um, the community at large. We want to hear their, their opinions, certainly want to gain their input. So they are a key stakeholder, as is a number of other uh, groups of clientele. 
uh, as you can imagine, partners um, and beyond, alumni, shareholders, uh, our board, the community at large, season seat holders, premium seat holders, casual buyers, uh, those that um, maybe only come to one game a year. So again, we will do our best to engage everyone and to gain input and opinion. But uh, again, rest assured from a community perspective, we're on it, we're listening, we will be listening. And uh, we're, we're several months into the process as we speak. Okay, Chris, uh, another question, this one coming in from John. He says, at the beginning of the pandemic, when you had to make the very difficult decision to lay employees off, you mentioned you would do everything you could to hire them back. Recently, you had to permanently lay people off because of labor laws. And John asks, if and when there is an announcement of a 2021 season, are you going to reach out to those employees that you had to lay off permanently and see if they would like to come back to the club? And then he says that he's a longtime EE football fan. Yeah, I think the challenge around it is for those of us that have had to shift our business, we're restructuring our whole business. So the answer to the question would be yes, if that that position still exists. Uh, There will be a number of positions that we once had that we no longer have. There will be a number of positions that uh, once entailed one responsibility that now will entail, call it three responsibilities. So it's all about how we restructure our business, which again is a part of the planning we've been doing for the last several months and what we look coming out of the other side. I I think the challenge around everything, certainly uh, coworkers included, is we're just planning for something that we don't know. And uh, when you're planning for the unknown, it's really hard to create a a tried and true plan. Uh, But again, assuming we have positions that uh, the skills of those that we have had to unfortunately lay off fit the position, then absolutely. Uh, You mentioned planning for the future is tough when you don't know how it's going to play out. What can you tell us about 2021 and the league's plans to get back on the field? Well, I can tell you this. It's been uh, a focal point since we had to call the season. And, uh, you know, we were all disappointed that we couldn't play, um, you know, at, at, on many levels. And I think as you look toward 2021, the focal point is to do everything we can to play. Certainly when you look at the numbers around anything other than an open stadium with the capacity uh, being at full capacity, it creates great challenges. It creates great losses of of finances and as everyone knows in our situation being a community owned team we only have so much money and once that money is gone that money's gone we don't have another pocket to go to so the challenges around planning are are obvious and uh, even those teams that are not community owned that have another pocket to go to face the same challenges so we're trying to model everything we can under any scenario both here and in a hub city and beyond so our hope is that Um, A vaccination is coming, and if that doesn't happen, we are planning around what does it look like to have the rapid testing, which is why we're interested in what's going on in Calgary around the two-day the two-day test. We're, we're interested to see the mechanism behind that and if that time can shrink and how quickly we can get that. Because I think a lot of this, as you know, is about consumer confidence as well. Having a season is one thing. Getting the confidence back of fans to attend and be safe is another. Um, Chris, you mentioned, you know, other markets that are in a similar position. Edmonton's one of the stronger markets for sure, but um, I imagine you're in contact with teams like Calgary and Saskatchewan, and all the teams, in fact. And Are you working on a plan together? Or are they making similar plans? How does that whole approach go to having all of the teams on board? Yeah, we're, we're all working together. We're all sharing number, numbers from a budget. Uh, that we've created and we're meshing it into one budget so we can see what outliers there may be on the on the revenue and expense side. And, and we've already shared all those numbers. We've already gone through a part of our efficiency committee, which I happen to be a part of. 
Uh, it's chaired by Doug Ryan Hamilton, and he's done a great job of walking us through that. So, <clears throat> excuse me, we understand where we are clearly, but we also understand where all the other teams are. Now we're looking at it um, probably even more closely and in various scenarios, what, a, what does the expense model look like? What can we do virtually from a revenue perspective and how can we generate funds to help co cover what would be a massive loss without fans? Um, knowing that that could be a real possibility. And so, uh, no, we're doing it all together. We all model our individual scenario and then we share it with all nine teams. But yes, uh, as an aside to that, I have been in communication with, with, both, with both Wade Miller and Craig Reynolds in Saskatchewan and Winnipeg uh, this week, just the three of us. Chris, curious about any sort of celebrations that are planned in place of the Grey Cup that's not happening? Yeah, we have um, 14, days, 14 days of Grey Cup, which we will launch on Sunday. And clearly, it's in celebration of the 14 Grey Cup champions, championships we have. Uh, we'll pause on the 11th for Remembrance Day, of course, and then we'll have various mechanisms around that, uh, new videos, new images, and that'll culminate with uh, the showing of uh, and streaming of two Grey Cup games, which we happen to have won. Uh, we did talk about in full transparency around the tailgate. Uh, I was very nervous about that possibility just because we certainly did not want to become an outbreak site with the numbers having uh, ticked up. We also couldn't predict the weather and it was such limited capacity that it really didn't make sense for us or our fans. Uh, but again, watch for everything through our website and our social channels. Uh, we have a lot planned for the next two weeks uh, culminating uh, on the 22nd. Okay, Chris, thanks so much for making the time. We appreciate it so much. Thanks for having me. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.